Welcome everyone. Today I have Antia and Brody Boyd, who have been helping thousands of successful men and women all over the world create amazing, happy, loving relationships quickly and without loneliness or frustration or disappointment for over 20 years. They have been keynote speakers on the romantic love at Google and at Harvard University and on hundreds of stages. Uh, for over a decade, they've studied everything they could get their hands onto about love and relationships to help create lasting, conscious, power couple relationships easily, without fear, anxiety, or sadness, and tapping into vulnerability. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so to be here. excited to be here. Oh, yeah, I'm so excited. So there are a lot of midlife women out there who are tired, they're frustrated, they've had roller coaster relationships, they've repeated um, dating the same man with a different face, and really they're like, maybe single's just the way to go. Why should I bother with choosing love? Maybe it's just too much work. What do you guys have to say to that? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it's so much about like being aware of the thresholds that you have inside of yourself. You know, I mean, I personally grew up in Eastern Germany in an emotionally absent household. And so I would be certainly one of those people to say that, right? Because you, de you develop that kind of belief system over the years to protect yourself, right? Why? So I mean, that's what I, what I developed. You know, my mom told me, don't bother me, right? So I made sure I don't need anyone and also create all the stories and belief systems that was matching and justifying that independence, right? And so, and just like, like it is for the women that you just talked about, you know, for me, I just attracted a lot of emotionally unavailable men. Again, a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? And you attract a mirror into your life. Like, so when you're emotionally unavailable, guess what? You yeah. attract emotionally unavailable men or men who are conflicted emotionally inside of themselves into your life. And so they call it that way, really. But when I always ask them, well, what are you attracting? Who are you attracting, right? They would say, well, they just like drop off the earth. And so that was like true for me too, right? Um, so I think that's like a, a big piece to know. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, and I think the same for me too. It was learning to see my own value myself because I, I had been broken up with my first relationship, my first love in college. She left me and I was very depressed. and. I had to, my heart kind of cracked open in that moment. I had to realize for myself that, that what I really wanted and being clear on what you want is, is definitely a key for that. But then to start to believe that you deserve it, that it's possible. And that's when I started my journey, just like Antia, of, of studying everything I could get my hands on. We both went through this journey of studying hundreds of books and working with mentors and going to workshops that helped us to figure out why we had these same internal blocks inside of our own minds and hearts, hearts and minds and able to clear those out so that we could find each other and we attracted each other and we were able to have a, an actual harmonious uh, relationship because we both worked with coaches and done lots of self-improvement that allowed us to, to be able to connect in that way mm -hmm. on all levels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's wonderful because then you could attract this, both of you say you've done so much work and so much reading and learning that then you wanted to vibrate at that same level and draw that same type of person to you. So then here you are sitting in front of <laughs> yeah. us having yeah, exactly. It was a journey. Yeah. We both, uh, we met in Hawaii. We were both living there at the time at a, 
at a workshop, actually. We were at, both at a workshop. But we were not living at the workshop. <laughs> no, we weren't living at the workshop. No, we were living no. in the way. And, uh, we but it felt, sometimes workshop. it felt like you're living in a workshop because <laughs> they're always in workshops. I know, they can be mom. But uh, yeah, we connected really quickly and uh, it was we were able to, to really connect on an authentic way and a vulnerable way because we would kind of removed some of our internal blocks over the years that were caused from our childhoods. And I grew up with a controlling mother, so that was part of my blocks as well, that why I had struggles in my romantic relationships. Um, I was what you might call an emotionally unavailable man, emotionally avoidant, because I didn't ever want to be controlled by a woman again because of my childhood, but having a very controlling mother. So that was my my journey. But yeah, we met in Hawaii, and we were both able to connect and uh, um, went to different different events and kissed under the Hawaiian moon at one point, the first date that we met. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the rest is history. And, and he told me right away that I'm the girl of the story. You know, that's so many times also what I tell women, like when you become congruent inside of yourself, I got a man who was so congruent inside of himself that he just put all eggs in one basket. The first night he met me, right? And he told me like, you're the one. That could be a little scary though too, right? But I think if you've done your work and you know what the authentic feelings are versus tapping back into patterns or the, the excitement that is activating instead of uh, calming and centering, right? And, and can you talk a little bit about the difference of that when you have those types of feelings and how you knew? Like obviously you've had the experiences in relationship where you had the highs and lows and the roller coaster emotions that were energy um took up a lot of your energies in a relationship in the past but how that might be different and how you knew that was a different energy when you guys met and how you expanded it yeah i can say first for me so yeah um so when i met Antia, i had done a lot of work on myself like i said but i also had become more clear on what i wanted i actually had a list that i wrote of what i wanted my ideal partner i called it my story at the time and uh so yeah so when i met Antia. And after hours of being together, it wasn't that long. We were hours, together maybe like two hours. Two, hours, <laughs> two hours of hanging out together, um, having gone conversations about deep things. And um, I just realized that all of those things that were on my list were there. We had an emotional connection, intellectual connection, spiritual connection. I was attracted to her. And so she was physically my like all of it was lining up. And I felt like she was emotionally available. She was being vulnerable with me as well as she was being herself. There wasn't any weird guards up or she was trying to pretend to be something that she wasn't. And so I told her in that moment, I just realized like, wow, you're the girl from my story. Oh. And, uh, and I, I also told her uh, after, shortly after that, I said, we have a huge responsibility to humanity. <laughs> and I think it's because I realized in that moment also because part of what I was looking for too was like a power partner, like a cup, a power couple relationship where we can come together, help each other to grow, but then also being able to help others as well and inspire other people as well and change the world. And so I, I could kind of foresee back then that we were going to be doing all this work together that we've been doing for the last uh, many like years, years that we've been working half, in, four yeah. years and a half years we've been married, um, that, that we we're going to be helping singles and, and helping people find their amazing relationships as well. So changing the world. That was all kind of what came up for me. I just felt it in the moment. Um, I didn't make it a huge deal, but I just, I recognized it. So I think it made it easier on her that I wasn't like, I didn't then propose to her, but it was a right. slow process. But I, just, I could recognize it when, when it was there. It didn't go like on one knee. <laughs> Not that night. Not that night. <laughs> well, I suppose when you've done all this work, when you have the person showing up for you, who's, who you feel is your mate, 
it isn't scary because you know that that's what you've been calling in and you it's it's exciting in a in a centered grounding making your world better kind of a way yeah yeah it wasn't like it, i didn't have a lot of fear because also i was more avoidant i didn't have a lot of fear because i just felt like it you know it was the natural progression it was naturally where i wanted to move in my life and, and she was the the woman that i wanted to move forward with and so but it wasn't like a huge freak out it wasn't that, that <laughs> that's awesome yeah, so you like, were both at a conference where you both doing uh, work and was it a conference about sort of love and self-love or were you doing coaching individually before you decided to do that together or did you kind of create this new vision as a couple? Well, we were both doing it actually separately together. Mm -hmm. So before we met, which is really cool that we found each other as well, that we came together because we both have very similar stories as you just kind of heard. Right. And uh, I was helping men. I was working with, with men. I was helping them with their dating. And romantic relationships before I met her mm -hmm. um, as a single man I was helping them mostly single men and then she was doing the same for women yeah I was having like um, brilliant more like this online platform and I had more like sort of like support groups slash workshops if you want to call so that support groups. Yeah. yeah yeah just like you know and just sort of like support each other because I've invested like tens of thousands of dollars and other workshops and seminars. So I had all this knowledge, you know, and women were always coming to me because they knew, and here's this resource. Like she always has like the newest technology and she always knows like the newest tip and trick, you know, and, right. so, and that's how things started building, you know, really quickly. And um, yeah, when Brittany and I met, it was just kind of like the match made in heaven, not just like in life, but also in business because with that same passion, I mean, it's, you know, it's like a storybook in a way, right? Right. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really, and you know, I have to tell you though, as an a recovered anxious attachment style, that I had to get used to this like calmness and centeredness yeah. and groundedness because all I knew was like getting attached to a hope that never comes true and empty promises and and struggle, right? And and like arguments and and tears and disappointments and so I literally my system had to learn you know like to be with a man who like consistently calls me consistently kisses me romanticizes me or whatever the name is you know Romantic. courts me you know I just really had to like learn to receive because we hear this all the time right but like that's how it actually looked like I had to really learn I had to learn that. I was like, not used to it. I didn't even know that that's what love was. Right. Like so, in the beginning, I was like, is this love? Like, I, you know, <laughs> it's so different than what anything I've ever experienced before. You know, it's so calm. Is, is that love? Was that friendship? I don't know, you know, because I didn't even know what to categorize that as. I had, I had like no concept of it. I'd never had this experience before. Right. Because it's the experience we have growing up in our, our family structure and how people communicated or showed or didn't show love and how all that unfolds is what we learn. Mm -hmm. And so we get those other roadmaps or we use other tools and coaches to help us around. So like you were mentioning anxious attachment styles and I know that some of our uh, viewers may know a little bit about that, but there is a whole construct of understanding your attachment style from my understanding to better understand who you are and how you show up in relationship yes absolutely yeah so i actually studied under mary ainsworth at uc berkeley who oh, was like studying under the grandfather of, you know she did the strange situation studies and 
and what we've really seen is that how the babies behaved um, 12 to 18 months old towards their parents, that's how we saw also later on in life and relationships that was matching and mirroring, right? right. Um, and so with the anxious attachment style, you know, a woman is constantly in anticipation to be disappointed. But she's in this like tension because on the one hand, she hopes and dreams and she actually puts a man on a pedestal really quickly. And she has this like fairy tale, romanticizes every moment, right? So almost like idealizes to a level that it's unattainable because she is, her system is so used to feeling that disappointment and that rejection. So she recreates that over and over again, right? And, and, and if she doesn't hear back from the man, she starts to act anxious, she gets overly needy. And they it's not even necessarily express her needs, right? but it's, what do you say? Oh, maybe they text and text and text saying, what's up? Where are you? What are you yeah. talking? You know what I mean? That anxious. Yeah, or just, example, yeah. yeah, totally, you know? And um, so that was, that's like really, really, um, that's the anxious attachment style. And, and basically the hole is so big that like nobody can fill this. Like a man can tell her like a, a thousand times a day, I love you, I love you, I love you. I mean, the best you can hope for is a codependent relationship where the man gives gives love to her in a way she receives it and she gives love to him in a way he desires it and but it's like really dysfunctional because they're actually not healed it comes from wounds right, right? Yeah, until it's healed yeah and then brody was like an avoidance so the avoidant attachment starts the complete opposite also very conflicted emotionally and insecure but they they go away from intimacy so the right. anxious moves towards us pushes for it like hopes for it right and the avoidance just completely retreats. And so, of course, they each other's worst nightmare. So but here you are, examples of how you can both evolve and mm -hmm. find that intimacy and love, even mm -hmm. in that, that kind of attachment style. So that I know some people may have some, uh, have read about attachment styles. I know people are, are reading a lot more about that these days and worried that if they're not secure something's wrong with them and i just always want to remind people everybody is perfectly who they are and they're for how they've grown up and that their job is just to evolve and right. become aware so they can shift pain points away to far, form better connection and intimacy absolutely i feel like the biggest piece for me was um self-sourcing like learning to self-source learning when my inner girl, so we all have different archetypes as women, right? So when the archetype of the inner girl wants like the attention or wants the love, but I know it's actually not about Brody. Like I can feel it's like it has something else that mm. I take that responsibility and that ownership. I think that's so huge in recovering, quote unquote, yeah. from, from anxious attachment style is to take the ownership, to not make the other person responsible. You know, I don't go to Brody every day and I say, you know, like you have to love me, you have to give me this hug and you have to give me, at some point I'm also asking, wow, I'm just, it just feels really overly anxious today. What's going on? And then I go into self-sourcing, right? I go into meditation or journaling or, or screaming into my pillow, like some releasing emotion, right? And, and for Brody, it was, um, you know, at, at, the, at our wedding, we said, you know, with this ring, I said, you're free. So he, he knew that in our marriage, I will always take a stand for that, part inside of him that wants to be free and that feels safer when he's by himself when right right and making space for what you both need and talking to each other so that you know it's not personal 
I, the other person's personal, it's, I, this is really hard to ask for. I just really need to take the afternoon to go on a hike, whatever it might be. Or you might say, I really, if you could just text me twice while you're gone for the weekend, that would make me feel good. And then you have communication and connection of giving each other what you need. Yeah, that was, that was a big part um, that I think helped us was learning those communication skills and having learned those communication skills and understanding the different attachment styles. She actually taught me a lot about attachment styles when we met each other. I didn't really know a whole lot about it um, because she studied it at UC Berkeley. But yeah, knowing those, knowing the, knowing, being aware of what's going on and having these skills to be able to manage it, it's, it's huge because yeah, otherwise there would be a lot of false assumptions and, and, and we watch a lot of reality TV shows like The Bachelor and, and from yes. our clients and we see this happening all the time and it's so painful to watch of it's painful. the lack of awareness plus the lack of combined with the lack of skills. It's, it almost makes a happy, having a happy relationship impossible. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. A lot of sabotage. Yeah, well, I love that you're such a great example of um, attachments coming from attachment styles that are uh, not necessarily a great pairing in fact can be tumultuous and showing us that with the evolution and self-care and awareness that you can build it into this beautiful intimate relationship so no relationship is completely lost you can do the work and make it work so doing the work on yourselves learning about this is so key absolutely and i feel for me it was like relating to that anxious part of me in a confident way um really had brody be attracted to me because like I wasn't like apologizing for it. Like it was, I, I was saying, well, this is, this is me, you know, uh, basically take it or leave. I didn't say that, you know, cause that's, um, I, I don't recommend women saying that. <laughs> no, seriously. but it goes um, along with valuing yourself too. Yeah, exactly. Right. That I, I just knew who I am and I knew I'm not going to act as aloof as they say you're supposed to be in cosmopolitan, what have you. Right. I, I knew that this is never going to be possible. Right that in this lifetime, I have to acknowledge those needs and I have to find a balance between like satisfying that for myself. But it was coming from my desire to grow. I always wanted to find a partner I can evolve or play evolve with, like playfully evolve, right? Because yeah. it's not supposed to be a serious like thing. And um, that really pushed me, right? It's that desire for growth that I said, yeah, I can guilt trip Brody right now, but I don't grow. It would, it would just stay in the same pattern, you know, and it wouldn't really serve anyone. And for me, it's really like moving towards self-actualization. So it also is something to do with what's your values. And that's what Brie and I have in common, like the growth, right? Like the desire for growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, if a relationship isn't growing, it's dying. And if a person isn't growing, they're dying. So that's why we're so um, passionate about helping people to see that helping our clients to really own that that ability for themselves to grow into their best version of themselves and to keep growing and that's the beauty of this whole process too is dating and relationships is a skill it's a skill set that can be mastered and it never ends there's always higher levels we're always mm -hmm. looking we're always moving to higher levels yeah and and looking for ways we can grow in our communication skills and our relationship skills and in our self-improvement um, dealing with our still our old demons and things that will come up occasionally, but oh, learning shadows. how to manage shadows as we call them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, it never ends, but that's the beauty of it too. Cause you can start to think of dating and relationships as like an art form that you can get, become a master, like a Leonardo da Vinci, um, <laughs> you know, or a, a Lady Gaga or whatever of like an artist. <laughs> <of relationships. laughs> 
That is so great. Uh, so, Brody, one of the things I know women will want to know uh, about, you have an opportunity to share some secrets from a man's perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, when women have consistently only shown, had men show up that aren't conscious, don't do the work, live in this uh, wounded child state, can you tell us about the, the men you've worked with and that they're giving women here, the midlife women here, hope that there are men out there who are conscious and doing the work that they can meet? Yeah, totally. Because um, I've, I've had a lot of experience with different types of men as well in, in the last 13 years that I've been working with men. And, and actually now, more, more, mostly women come to us. So many women come to us. We mostly work with women now, although I do still have a couple men that I work with at a very high level. Um, but I, but I help a lot of our, our women as well. And so what I've seen with men is that men in general, there's, there's a lot of things I tell women. So when women ask me about how can I attract more conscious available men, or how can I help my, the man that I'm already in a relationship with to be more of what I'm hoping he'll be more conscious, more aware, more available, like you said, the answer is really starting with yourself. And so there's really in any relationship, there's 200% responsibility to be divided amongst the two people. So um, it's really not about taking a 50-50 approach to relationship. It's about 100%, 100%. And so if you take 100% responsibility for yourself and asking, well, how am I, why am I attracting this certain type of man or not attracting a certain type of man? Or why am I, why is this dynamic? How am I contributing to creating this dynamic in my relationship where my partner is withdrawing or he's not stepping up or he's um, he's, he's not meeting my needs, like to look at yourself, to see what is that? Because we live in a, in a, a universe of duality and, and of, of polarity really. And so wherever there's a North, there's a South, whenever there's a light, there's a dark, there's a, there's polarity to it. So in relationship, that's the same way it works is that if you're attracting certain types of behavior in men or certain types of men to you or lack thereof, there's something inside of you that's either, um, not healed yet, or it's pushing that away. Part of you may be actually pushing that away. That 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 what that would you say that you want? That you want a uh, a masculine man, or a responsible man, or an open man, or available man? There's something inside this blocking because that's what I see with the men that I work with as well. Is that they are um, they have those same challenges, which are when they're when they're attracting certain types of women, but also when they get with women that are a certain way, they actually start to become. A different version of themselves when they meet like when I met Antia I was actually much more avoidant with different women that I was meeting but when I met Antia not only was I not pushing her away but I actually said you're the girl from my story and we have a huge responsibility to many so she actually because of who she was she brought out a different version of myself that may not have shown up with another woman that I was dating or that I was with so that's what we that's what I tell the women in our, in our group in our programs and, and that we that come to us is that you can change what you're attracting by changing what's inside of you. And because of the law of polarity, it's like a law of nature. As soon as you change, the type of men you start to attract changes. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you have any, any secret tips for women on uh, what, what uh, they, I think they worry about what is really attractive and they're not going to be good enough or they worry about those things, but Really, what is it? What is the secret that men are looking for in a partner? What are they really wanting? So they know the women watching can get a sense of, I've got that too. I've got that. Yeah. So what I go back to is um, there's two big keys and it's not about looks. 
It's not about your weight. It's not about your age. It's not about your education level, the amount of money you make. It goes back to two fundamental things. I feel at the core of it, two things. If, as far as attracting, let's say, let's just say we'll generalize a little bit and let's say the most women are, are I'll say for the sake of this, that um, looking for a more masculine and available man. So a man who, you know, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He takes responsibility. Um, he can be a protector, a provider, um, a leader even, you know, like in a dance. So we'll say a masculine available man what a masculine available man is looking for is the opposite of that or the complement of that, which would be a feminine, but then also available woman. So there's, there's, there's ways that things complement, but then there's ways that things need to be the same. So that's the way the attachments theory works is that to attract an available man, you need to be available yourself to attract a secure man. You need to be secure yourself. Now to attract a masculine man, a man who wants to take care of you, who wants to be a provider, protector, be your hero, that's where the opposite of that is going to be needed, which is feminine energy. And so that's a lot of what I talk to with, with our women, with our women is creating that feminine energy, creating that opposite to what you're wanting to, to attract, which often involves a lot of what Anshu talks about is vulnerability, surrender, trust, um, the ability to receive. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, but receiving is huge, right? Yeah, I think is because, huge because a masculine man wants to give. He wants to make you, a masculine man will want to make you happy. He'll want to give. He'll want to open the door for you. He'll want to do those kind of things. But if, if a woman's not willing to receive that, if she brushes it off or she's unappreciative or she actually even, some women even will demean men for that or they'll criticize them or they'll, um, yeah. So that's in essence, they're blocking that. And so their, their, their energetic system is literally saying, go away. You know, I don't want that. I don't want you to do things for me. So um, then, of course, that man is either not going to be attracted that, to that woman or he's, he's going to do it for some other woman who, does, who will receive it and who will appreciate that, right. that, that energy in her life. And I think that's great to hear because most women, most of their lives with all of the media, we think it is about what we look like, how old we are, you know, what our weight is, and that's not it at all. It's how we show right. up in energy. Uh, with men yeah because the energy creates the polarity cr is really the only thing that creates that feeling of attraction of chemistry of butterflies in the stomach um and so yeah i mean all those other things can help you know being fit looking as best as you can you know having a direction some kind of direction in your life or, or things you want to do to help the world but at the essence attraction uh is based on polarity and that's great because that means that pretty much any woman can create that feeling within a man if she really can step into that energy of being feminine, receptive, open, uh, and, and, and doing all those different things that we talk about in the right ways and also becoming more secure emotionally in herself so that those anxious patterns don't come up too. Right. Uh, valuing herself as part of that. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very, it's great. It's good news. It's really good news. <laughs> for women to hear that that's I think it's like pretty it's much like, wherever you are it's like good news and it's also like tough news because I know that um so many times I hear you know I want to make the man wrong and it's hard to hear that oh if they were with a different woman they would behave differently so for women to like let go of wanting to be right and wanting to be in control we work with a lot of like highly accomplished and successful women yeah that is and it's interesting when they think they're vulnerable, that's not vulnerable. Like we watch them and how they're totally emasculating the man or telling them what to do or using the word should or you have to. 
Um, yeah. So unconscious, you know? So I feel that's like the best thing. How willing, like one thing that Bernie and I always say is like, you know, one good test question for you is like, how willing are you to be wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I like what Auntie said too, is it's, it's, it's good news, but it's also bad news because it's easier said than done. I mean, it yeah. could be some of the hardest work to do in your life. It's often easier, much easier for a woman to put on, put on a sexy yeah. dress or put on, you know, makeup or get a facelift or whatever than to change her emotional wiring, you know, to be more, right. to be able to trust, to be able to open up can be a lot scarier, a lot more vulnerable. And so, and, and involve more support. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's yeah, amazing. That's where, comes in. that's where commitment comes in of, of how committed are you to really wanting what you say you want and, and being willing to, like when I just said, being willing to be wrong, being willing to try something new, being willing to do it a different way mm -hmm. to get to where you ultimately want to be. And that can involve trust and taking those leaps of faith as well. Facing that's the fears. Uh, this is so amazing. And I can't believe we're already to the end of our interview. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that you offer your <laughs> wonderful gift to our viewers. Yeah, totally. So if the women are just really like perking their ears and it's like, I, I need to learn more about the attachment style. I don't even know how to deal with anxiety or to be vulnerable. I invite you to come on a magnetize the man clarity call with me or one of my coaches. While we go deeper and just really explore what are your specific blind spots? What are the stories you're telling yourself that you're not even aware of? but that keep you from really being that magnet and that attraction factor to the man that would, what Brody just explained, mm -hmm. right? Where a man who was rejecting one woman would be so attracted to you because you have that, that it factor, we call it, right? Like the X factor. Um, so for that, um, go to magnetizetheman.com and grab your slot as long as they're available. And I have a link below here, below the video. I'll have a link, the link below, magnetize. to everybody. Mm -hmm right here um, on this page and take advantage of that and tap into your soul, tap into your heart and uh, become more aware of a few things that you might shift in your life that could truly draw into you, into your life, the man of your dreams. Mm, definitely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. thank you guys Possible. so much, uh, Antia and Lily, for joining us and thank you everybody for watching. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.